Welcome to the Intelligent Adventist Podcast. The last category, Jesus is explaining where he says, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And that's it. That's the end of his uh, uh, interpretation of his own parable. Let's let's look at the last soil now. Here the, the, the seed falls on good soil, and it springs up, and it has the time to grow, and it produces fruit, or it, it produces uh, yeah the harvest. And the harvest is 30-fold, 30x, 60x, 100x. Let's talk a little bit about development of character and the biblical definition of the development of character. When we're talking about the, the development of character, we first need to understand that character development is not a new concept to the, to the New Testament. The hearers of Jesus' words in those days and Jesus himself and the disciples all understood that character was something that was developed from within. It was something that was a work of a, of a lifetime and that one had to strive against evil their entire life to, to overcome it. And from, the, from their birth onwards, they were taught the story of the fall in Eden and that the Messiah was going to come through one of their line and uh, in, at least in the tribe of Judah would defeat the, the great adversary and God would create his kingdom on earth. That was what was taught to them. Everyone had this idea. And here Jesus is reiterating this particular story, this particular truth in this, in this story. Let's ask ourselves some questions here. First of all, what does it mean to have perfection of character? Um, I think we all, uh, the, the analogy, of course, is, is the, the regular life of a person. You know, we're born as, as babies. We grow through childhood. Uh, the teenage years, and then we reach adulthood, and even within adulthood, we we continue to grow till we reach some level of maturity, hopefully. Um, and I think that reflects on the spiritual life as well, because we can't come into the kingdom of God as as grown-ups in Christ. I mean, there there's a lot to learn, a lot to understand. We need to to develop a certain way of life, and to to get to know God, to develop a relationship. And to re- develop a sort of trust in God that that takes us through through good times and and hard times and and so on. Um, but hopefully, as we continue to walk with God, we reach a certain level of maturity where we're more or less committed to God to the point where you know good things come along, bad things come along. It's not gonna shake us. And um, it, it sometimes takes a while to kind of get a sense that somebody has has grown to that level. So there's different analogies of growth. In those analogies, Jesus has uh, explained various things. Now let's 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 think about the the perfection of character. So in Matthew chapter five, Jesus gives his famous sermon, which isn't covered in Mark, but Jesus gives his famous sermon in which he describes the relationship of the father to his children, and he describes the perfection of the father with. Uh, equality, the rain falling on the just and the unjust, and father relating to his kids. And in those relationships, you can see examples of perfection. The biblical perfection has to do with the sphere of relationships and influence. How am I with my parents? Or how are you with your wife and your child? Those are the spheres of influence that we have. 
in essence, the Bible is talking about the relationships that we form on earth and our interactions with these relationships. All of religion is defined in those things. For example, how we treat the poor, how we treat the sojourner or the immigrant, how we treat the prisoner of war, how we treat someone in prison, how do we treat someone who's falling or someone who's rich, right? Um, various relationships are encapsulated in what means what it means to have true religion. There is this uh, notion in our church or this obsession with our church, or at least some segments of our church, with perfection. And it has led to, uh, let's say, an imperfect reality for many of these people, where they can never quite attain the perfection that they, they idealistically hold to. And I think part of the reason is that the, the perfection that they are thinking about is not actually biblical, but it's actually a Greek version of perfection. So it's a platonic perfection. It's a perfection where there are no imperfections. I don't think we have time to like go into the whole philosophical detail of that particular issue, but suffice it to say that they equate perfection with actions, perfect actions done at the perfect time for the right reason, right there and then, every single time. And that creates a very difficult life. One of the big differences or changes in my life over time, because we both grew up in this environment and we wrestled with these questions ourselves. And for me, one of the big changes came when I realized the fact that the, the center of, of this issue of perfection is relationships, as opposed to me doing certain things, overcoming certain things. So, um, you know, having my list of do's and don'ts and, and looking at perfection in terms of me stopping all these things and starting all these things, you know, doing my devotions at the regular time every single day for this amount of time. Um, praying for a certain amount of time. Praying for a certain amount of time. Um, you know, eating eating at the right times, eating twice a day and, and not overeating, which is very subjective, but, you know, whenever I felt like I had enough, I stopped eating, and then if I was hungry, resist the urge to eat again. And a, a list of other crazy things, when you think about it, that, uh, you know, I kind of wrestled with at some point in my early Christian experience. Um, and I judged my own attainment based on whether I was able to keep up with this list I had created for myself. And I think one of the things that I, I picked up over time is that there's, there's a lot more to it from the relationship angle um, than it is from, from this sort of list of do's and don'ts. And I think a, a, a passage that really hit home was something that said something to the effect of um, you should know that you have attained to perfection of character when, when the impulse to help and bless others springs forth constantly from within. Um, you know, I might, be, I, might, I, don't be, I might not be quoting it exactly, but something to that effect. Uh, to the sense that it completely shifted the paradigm. You know, uh, <laughs> I remember one time I was uh, I was riding in a car with this friend of mine uh, over in Michigan, and we had a, a little girl in the car. She was probably like um, maybe nine or ten, and we were driving home from some park or something. We had taken her because her mom was sick, and we had taken her out to like get some fresh air. And I was sitting in the back seat, and my my friend was driving. And I was just sitting there and I was looking at the clock and I was thinking, man, it's almost six o'clock. And if I don't eat my meal at this time, I have this rule for myself that if I don't eat by six o'clock, I cannot eat anymore because it's too late and I'm not supposed to eat in the evening. 
and I haven't eaten since morning and if I skip this meal I'm gonna be super hungry and I'm just going back and forth thinking like we're not gonna make it home in time for me to have my final meal and while I'm doing this the little girl I don't know where it turns to to my friend and, and she's like uh, hey um how is it gonna be like when we get to heaven I mean we had no religious conversation this whole time but she knew who we were and she just started asking this question and my friend just gave her like a quick Bible study off the top of her head and um, it was, that was it. And the little girl said, oh, that makes sense. Thank you. And it was just a powerful moment because my mind was so preoccupied with this nonsense. And yet here's this little girl that had a, had a, you know, one point of connection with God that maybe she had never had before in her life. And she who knows when she's going to have it again. And it just, just kind of real, helped me realize my priorities, you know, what really matters in, in, in terms of uh, growing in Christian character. Yeah. That's that's a great example. So sometimes we can be so obsessed with our own uh, failings or our own uh, struggles that we fail to realize that there are other people around us that need to know Jesus or that need to uh, be um, just introduced to uh, a better way of life. And because of that, they, they struggle. I, mean, I remember this one incident, uh, incident where uh, some poor girl... Uh, from uh, a very conservative Sabbath school that I used to attend at one point, um, went to uh, went to uh, uh, what do you call those? I guess they're AA meetings mm -hmm. with the at the VA. So there was all these veterans there, Marines and Army soldiers, and you know guys that were hardened in in war and injured. And they were all there because of substance abuse, and uh, they were going through this AA meeting, and each one of them was was talking about their problems, and their addiction, and uh, she was in that group, and so they finally turned to her and they were like, "So, what's your addiction, right?" And so she just gave a long discussion about chocolate, and how it was evil, and how she kept falling for it, and and those guys got mad. They're like, "Is that your problem?" Like. We have real problems here. Like I'm about to lose my my home and my house, my my wife and my kids because of alcohol or whatever he was doing, and you're talking about chocolate, right? Yeah. And so for many people, the in our church we believe that that those hard drugs or whatever are the easier things to give up, and they have attained this level of spirituality where the finer things matter now, and it's, it's these things. But when you actually look at these people's lives objectively, that's farther than, from the truth. You know, I think God would more than be happy if they took chocolate and got rid of their actual sins yeah. than, than the other way around, right? So <clears throat> there's, there's that aspect of, of life uh, that, or, or maturation of character that's needed. So now one other thing I wanted to bring out with this particular episode is Jesus talks about the 30-fold, the 60-fold, and the 100-fold, right? Now, 30-fold is definitely less than a 100-fold, definitely less than a 60-fold, right? However, in this particular situation, Jesus is equating each one of them as being perfect in their own sense, right? So what is it that, that for Jesus is enough, where for human beings, from a human point of view, the thirty percent has failed, yeah. right? Or the thirty, the thirty x has failed versus the hundred x, right? And I think 
um, it requires biblical lenses. It requires us to see things from God's point of view. God looks at us and he sees what we're capable of. And if we have reached that capability that he has attained for us in this particular life, starting with our circumstances, starting with where we, where we began, he's more than happy. He's more than happy, right? But for us, we look at these same individuals or even ourselves and we feel like, man, I really should be at 100x when I'm only at 30x, right? And it creates this kind of inferiority complex or it creates this resentment to where, or disappointment to where we feel like I will never be good as so-and-so. I'll never preach as, as, well, as well as him. Or I will never pray as well as her. I'll never have a good life on Instagram like this particular person, right? The perfect life. <clears throat> but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is, is saying that there, is, there are capabilities and there are uh, production outputs, let's just say, for, uh, for harvests. And heaven is equally happy with each production output yeah. that, that can be produced. But I think in Adventism, we have created this culture where people believe that anything less than 100x is failure. And that has doomed so many people to actual hell. Like living hell. They're living in it right now. And I think for so many of these people, if they've just realized that... <clears throat> Heaven might have a slightly different view of their capabilities and may appreciate their capabilities better than human beings. Yeah, I think the the parable of the widow with the with the two mites, you know, applies here as well, where some rich person comes in and gives a ton of money to the temple, but Jesus says, you know, this widow has given more than everybody else. Um, so I think heaven takes kind of a relative view of, of our accomplishments compared to the way we approach things. And uh, somebody's capabilities and circumstances are, exactly. are taken into account when God judges how much they're able to accomplish and what they're able to produce. And uh, <clears throat> he's, he's happy with, with their output regardless of what we think of it. And, and in, many ways, <clears throat> in many ways, social media... Um, amplifies these effects yeah. like people can create all sorts of personas online that make people feel like they can never measure up right I remember this one uh, movie I think you recommended to me that we watched long ago of this uh, couple that was competing against another couple I think it was dollhouse or something like that I don't remember. but it was this one episode where a couple was supposed to be like fronting uh, products and services and the other couple was trying to compete with them and they realized they couldn't and the husband ended up committing suicide. Mm. Anyway, whatever that movie was. But it was it essentially creates, like, social media creates this artificial universe where everybody is perfect and everybody everybody's life, when you look at their pictures and their videos and their quotations from Ellen White and the Bible and whatever else, just seems like it's always on point. And there's no imperfection there. When you look at that and you, and you look at your own life and you're like, wow, I can never attain to that level of holiness. But in reality, those people are struggling with the same issues. And in many ways, that, that lack of authenticity is creating barriers for everybody else. 
and inclu including them, right? Is diluting them of their actual status. So <clears throat> that's the um, that's the perverseness that is there today. But when I read scripture and when I read this particular passage, I see that Jesus was equally happy with the with the seed that produced thirty x and the seed that produced sixty x and the the seed that produced hundred x, because to to Christ the harvest was was great. And so in that particular, in this particular soil with the seed, I think it's, it's important to emphasize that God is the one who starts the work. He's the one who plants the seed in your heart. And he's the one who waters it and gives it increase. And he's the one who sees it to its maturity. And the level of maturity that you gain under his control and the control of the Holy Spirit is what is perfect for you in your circumstances and in your time. And I hope that you won't be dissuaded by looking at other people's stuff because God is trying to do something special with you that's unique just for you. Yeah. And he will do the best that he can for you. Yeah, I I, I know it's that, that's a great point to stop, but uh, since we're going to leave the parable, this parable and go to another one, I also want to say something for people that might be feeling about this set of this set of soils in this parable the way I used to feel about it when I first heard him as a child. And to me, it was discouraging because one of the things I kept thinking about is what if I'm one of the three other soils? What if I'm not the soil that, that makes it all the way through, you know, and gives a good harvest? And one lesson I learned over time regarding this four soils is that even if you've had a harvest and it wasn't the right harvest, the next year you could start over. Exactly. It's not the end of the story. So there's lots of people that, you know, they've had the word come to them and they rejected it at some point in their life. There's lots of people that had a shallow Christian experience and left the church for whatever reason. There's people that have been in the church for years and then the the troubles of this life and temptations, whatever else, got them to the place where they gave up and they walked away. But it's not the end of their story. The soil can be turned over. It can be, um, what's the, tilt, 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 and whatever, tilt. and so on. Like it could, it could be re, repackaged to where it's actually capable of handling the seat better and they could start over and they could actually do it right this this new time and they could become one of the one of the fruit producing seeds in this whole parable exactly so yeah that's a great that's a great point there's always there's always a chance with god where you can start over you can start over today and you can begin uh, to work on uh, preparing the soil and and creating don't wait till you become the perfect soil before you start reading the Bible. Just start where you are and just work your way through verse by verse and allow that verse to sink in, make a difference in your life, change your life, and then you go to the next one and the next one and the next one. And after a while, you'll see that the Bible has changed you completely and that you're a completely new person. And you won't notice it. Others will notice it. And they'll let you know because it's undeniable.